Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 174. This week on the episode, I've got a great conversation with Ben, better known as Days to Waste. Um, Had a great time talking with him. Really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know him a little bit better as um, an artist and kind of the development of this project. Uh, We talked about everything from the beginnings of finding music and the passion for it and digging into the evolution of the sound and working with uh, artists like Sad Eyes and so many others, um, Braden Ross and and all these very similar artists, but also very distinctly different artists and kind of creating a community um, of friends and musicians that are really in the process of blowing up. So uh, it's a really dope conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's dive into this. This is my conversation with Days to Waste, Ben. Uh, so to kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. Simple introduction, man. Who are you? And just a little background on yourself. Uh, I'm Ben. Uh, I run a music project called Days to Waste. And uh, yeah, I've been making music since I was like 16. I've uh, been doing covers since I was like 14. I've been interested in music since I was very young. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of sprouted into what it is today. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and I, I think that's cool because I, I did read on some of your kind of the background for you and things like that. And, you know, growing up in a fairly religious household you know being involved in music through the church things like that Mm -hmm. and then kind of discovering yourself in emo music and you know kind of this alternative scene uh seems to be a pretty common theme right like if you grow up heavy in the church odds are you're separating (laughs) at some point (laughs) yeah yeah seems to be something something along those lines yeah yeah so what was it like for you like when was that that kind of awakening from like you said, you've been interested in music for pretty much forever, but like, what was that kind of awakening for you where it was like, man, this is really something I'm into? Man, so I think that awakening started around like 15, I think, like so sophomore year. Yeah. Um, I just, I was never good at school. And uh, I remember always having a hard time like struggling in school and like never being interested in it. And uh I was clung to certain things I was interested in at the time. And one of those things was ended up being music. And that just like grabbed a hold of me like harder than anything else ever has. And uh, yeah, I remember kind of coming to this point where I'm like, music is the only thing I want to do. Like I'm so passionate about it and I love writing and I love singing and doing these covers. And uh, I was watching, or I was, really inspired by artists like Save Can Fly and just every band under the Warped Tour sun, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and it's that, that I was so passionate about that. I just wanted to do that more than anything. So I just started focusing really heavy on, on music from like 15. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Say We Can Fly is such a fucking underrated artist. Like it really is. That it, it's insane. Like I've, I've brought them up to a few people and they're like, 
where did you find this guy? And I'm like, first off, he's been doing this shit for like 10 years now, 15 yeah, years, whatever. Over, t- over 10 years. Yeah. So like the fact that he hasn't been more discovered is, is mind blowing, but I do, you know, now that you've said that, I do see where some of that similarity is with the project mm-hmm. that you have. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think I told Nate that, you know, I kind of, found out about you through just some random um, Spotify playlist. And it was, uh, I think, if I remember right, the first song I heard was the one uh, that you were on with Braden Ross. And mm-hmm. it just, that one grabbed me and I'm like, okay, this is dope. And just started climbing down that rabbit hole. Um, talk about, you know, at your current point in in the career, if you will, of the music industry, you know, it's such a unique position now where, especially post COVID, uh, but where, you know, music is so accessible with digital streaming and things like that. Have you found that to make it any easier? Do you think it's harder because there's just an overabundance and oversaturation? Um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think back in like the day, um, it was more simplistic. I, su- I suppose it was more um, of like, you go to like if you're an artist you like want to get signed right you want to and like there's like four or five really big labels that everybody knows and now i feel like there's so many artists making so many different kinds of music that it's just like you you find artists now you don't find like labels that have all this roster like this big scene of like everyone's so individual now and it's like yeah um so uh i'd say it's a little bit of like it's easier in some ways and it's much harder in some ways because there's now a sea of artists around you that you have to stand out in front of, you know, and uh, the TikTok game and just, yeah, all that where as back then it was just kind of like, I don't know. It it seemed more, uh, I don't know what the the word is, but uh, just community-based back then. I don't know if that, that makes any sense, yeah. Yeah, I I think I I get where you're going with it, where it was like, you know, I remember growing up, I'm 38. So the prime of Warped Tour, right? Like Hopeless Records, Fearless, all the the quote unquote uh, emo labels, um, Victory Records before they fucked over all their artists. Like it was easy to grab onto a a label, like you're saying, you know, and be like, oh, I'm a fan of Fearless Records. I don't care who they sign. I love them, you know? Yeah, I remember as as an, as a teenager, I would just like if you saw a music video with like the record label you liked on it, you just click yeah. on. I remember spending hours just watching music videos, and they're all under the same three: Rise, Fearless, and yeah. Hopeless, and Samarian. Yeah, yeah, Samarian's one that I think flew under the radar for a lot of fucking people too. But yeah, <laughs> if you're into that uh, the post hardcore scene and the the post uh, post emo type stuff. Mm-hmm. Samarian so had some fucking artists. Um, so let's talk kind of, you know, you're going through your developmental stage, if you will. You're, I, I would assume still figuring out some of your sound now, but um, yeah, any good artist is always evolving. But what was it like, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I know that music is something I want to pursue. It's, it's where, like you said, it, it's grabbed me the most. It's where the most passion lives. What's it been like trying to say, you know, this is what this project's going to sound like, or this is the message that I'm delivering with this? Um, 
I think the subject matter and what I write about and the vibe that I write about has always been in the same ballpark. But as far as the sound goes, that's been a huge journey, you know, from like from like starting days to this, I was like an acoustic artist, you know, that's how I define myself. And then I found kind of the the emo rap scene or, or if that's what you want to call it. And then uh, we've sprouted into whatever it is we are now, you know, so um but it's been fun you know learning different types of production and uh my writing styles just changed from like night and day it's just been so so different from how it used to be and yeah um yeah it's been a journey um absolutely yeah i think the interesting thing for me you know digging through the discography and stuff like that is seeing this journey and it's it's something that it's clearly intentional that you're, you know, changing the sound throughout your, your discography mm-hmm. here. Um, but I think the, the beauty in it is that it's not a, a ploy to like latch on to whatever the next big thing is. Like mm-hmm. you're not chasing the, the sound necessarily. It's what feels right for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, types of music come and go whatever like the popular thing is right and i think i'm i'm i'm, I'm guilty of, of that you know like you want people to listen to your song and like if, if a lot of people are listening to this kind of song like i want to make that kind of song you know but i feel like what i've really clung on to is the fans who will stay are the fans who just like you for the the shit that you make and so no matter what I make, if I like it, and if like, oh, I want to make this kind of music, like, I'm going to do that because, you know, scenes will die out. Uh, it's inevitable. Uh, a, a popular sound is going to die out. But uh, if you write a song that somebody really clings to, like, I still listen to songs that I listened to when I was 15, you know, to this day, just because those songs really, like, clung on to me because I they mean so much to me. And so yeah. I want to write music that means a lot to people so that they just cling on to it for forever i guess yeah yeah and i think that's that's something that you've so far done very well with everything that i've heard from you is like super relatable regardless of your age you know whether it's a breakup song or something that equates to a breakup song or you know unrequited love whatever there's so much in your discography that i think it is something that if someone takes the time to sit down and you know, click through a few different tracks, like there's a lot of depth there. And hopefully to your point, they're going to hang on to something and go, man, like I remember what that was like, or Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, at this moment in my life, this is getting me through the bad breakup or whatever. Yeah. 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 So um, as you, you've progressed, you know, you've done a ton of collaboration uh, Raiden Ross, Sad Eyes, you've got a tour coming up with Sad Eyes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like, you know, in whatever genre soundscape we want to consider you now? Uh, but what's it like, you know, working within that community of artists? Uh, because it seems like from the outsider perspective or from the journalist perspective, that there seems to be a lot more collaboration, like willingness in this area rather than some of the other genres of music where it's like yeah you can get a guest vocalist but there's not real collaboration you know 
I think it falls under the same category as like, oh, there's like a ton of artists now. You know, like like there's so many people that make music now. And if you're in a, if you're making a certain kind of music, like you're gonna find people around you who make similar music. And I found so many friends through just making music. And uh it's it's funny because I don't when I'm making songs with like these these people like Braden Ross Sad Eyes. I'm not doing it because like, oh, like it's like a business thing, you know, it's just like, it's just fun. You know, I just, I just like making music with my friends and it's, it's strange to see songs that I made with my friends that have like over a million streams. Cause like that wasn't the original uh, intention, but it's like, it's really, it's, it's really cool. You know? So um, Yeah. Um, For you, obviously you are multi-instrumental um and obviously there's a lot of electronics in today's world now too but what what's it like you know trying to learn all that stuff and you know how often are you coming across something where you're like man if I if I just knew how to do this thing I'm gonna go sit down and figure out you know this or whatever um I I will spend so much time fine-tuning everything and trying to figure out how to do something um when it comes to like making music like the bane in my existence for the last year has been like acoustic drums like programming drums right like i'm so ass <laughs> and it's so difficult for me and like a couple like a couple years earlier that was acoustic guitar and um so yeah and i'm still not even like i'm still not there yet um but i love learning how to do new shit like new types of production and uh like i tried to learn like hyper pop and that was a thing like like yeah. program hyper pop but i i just i i couldn't figure it out I'm like what is this like listening to break-ins with my jaw on the floor because everything he produces is just so intricate and yeah. crazy and insane and like what is going on but yeah i love learning new 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 ways of uh producing i guess yeah yeah and you're mostly self-produced right as far as like yeah any of um, the stuff you're putting out mm-hmm. I, I i like to completely do it all myself not not because of like uh i don't know um i'm very picky and i don't know i get i don't know uh right I it's not full- branch, branch out, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah not fully a control thing in that like nobody else could do it but it kind of a control thing in that it's your art and you want to you know make it so yeah yeah um talk a little bit about for I was going to say kids but to me you're kind of a kid and I don't mean that in a mean way it's just (laughs) there's a 14 year age gap between us so uh (laughs) but you know for for younger artists talk about like what goes into this for you because obviously at this moment in your your career and everything it's obviously making some money but it's probably not paying all of the bills yet things like Mm -hmm. that what's what's going into the business side as gross as that feels when it comes to art and music you know doing the social media doing this press all that sort of shit Mm -hmm. well it's if you want to do this for a career if this is something you want to make money off of and i feel like people flip it sometimes people will think oh i'm making music because I want to make money, but like that's not it at all. It's like I want to make money so I can make more music. And that's 
that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm not trying to make a bunch of money off of music, and I don't think I ever will, but I want to make music as much as I can. I want that to be my life. And so inevitably, you have to somehow profit off of it. That's just the world we live in. And um, you need to be on all socials and like you need to post on TikTok. And uh, for me personally, the business side of things has been like so it's you I, I do it more than making the music uh, nowadays because it's just you have to and uh, I want people to listen to my music I want it to you know grow because I want to grow as an artist and um, yeah the business side of things is definitely um, very important I yeah. Say, yeah yeah and I I think the the point you just made is really important for people to hear that, you know, currently you're spending more time on the business and promotion side rather than making music. Because I think the misconception even today, or maybe more so today because of TikTok and potential viral videos and shit like that, is that, oh, if I just put out something that's good, it's going to work and it's going to get views. And that's just not the case, right? That's just not, it's not, unfortunately, that's just not how, how it works. Like you gotta, you gotta shove your music in people's faces if, if you want them to see it. Yeah. And it, it does, again, it kind of feels dirty to some extent, right? Cause you feel like course, you're kind yeah. of whoring yourself out. Like, please, <laughs> yeah. please love me. Please come pay attention. Um, but it also, I think maybe comes a little easier for you in the sense that you grew up a warp tour fan as well so it's kind of that diy ethos that warp tour was really all about like yeah i have to get out here and hustle to make my name mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that was a back then too like you, in order for people to know who you are you had to play shows and uh, i feel like the world is a little bit different especially after covid it's much more online and so playing shows is definitely still a great way to get your name out there but uh the internet and socials is kind of like you got to you have to do it but i i think especially post covid touring at least currently because we're not as far removed from it as we would like to be yeah um i think touring is going to be very very intentional for the next few years and like so those analytics of okay where's my song trending well where you know where am i getting the engagement from that's going to determine where bands play shows for the next few mm -hmm. years because yeah, sure. Why am I just going to go anywhere and everywhere I can if I potentially am not going to make money doing it or can't yeah, get to the next sure. city because of it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's interesting, you know, cause we mentioned this, this tour already, but you're going out with sad eyes. You've got about three weeks worth of shows, uh, two and a half weeks worth of shows that you guys yeah. are doing. Um the Indianapolis date I will try to be at because that's only an hour away from me. Uh, awesome. But, <laughs> but I, I think there's some intentionality here too, looking at this list, you know, like it, it's not a, we're going to hit every town within three hour gaps or whatever. It's okay. We're going to play a show in Rhode Island. Now we're going to New York. Now we're going to New mm -hmm. Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. What goes into, and maybe sad eyes had more of a hand in this than, than you, but like what goes into that planning stage? of the tour set up for you guys yeah Salas did most of the work when it, when it came to that he just kind of handed us the date but i think uh you know it's a little bit of both of like um 
finding places that are easy to go from one location to the other and also broad enough so that people can people as many people can come and see us as, as possible you know yeah like um we're not just doing like a small section it's like it's like it's a lot of the east coast and some of the south i think mm -hmm. so. yeah yeah and indianapolis as the the midwest indianapolis and ohio uh kind of the midwest you've got a tennessee date in there which I've never been to the end in Nashville, but I've heard incredible things. Like it's apparently just a dope, dope yeah. venue. Yeah, I've only ever been to a couple of different different states, so this will be like my uh, getting out there, yeah, going yeah. across yeah. America, kind of kind of popping the the cherry, if you will, of <laughs> yeah. getting out on right. tour. Uh, yeah. yeah, so let's talk about that. You know, building up this this career, this persona, um, which you've been doing for years now. I mean, a, mm -hmm. almost a decade, really, if you go way back in yeah. time with your YouTube yeah. and everything. Absolutely. Um, what's it like kind of getting to this point where it's, okay, it's time to take this chance and get out there? It's uh, surreal. It's, it's very surreal because I would, I would sit in my room and listen to the, you know, bands and just fantasize about playing live and going on tour and that's all i've ever wanted since i was a kid and so it's like finally happening and it's very surreal um a little bit scary a little bit intimidating you know but but i'm ready and uh i'm excited yeah let's talk a little bit about the intimidation and maybe maybe some imposter syndrome right to some extent mm -hmm. where it's like okay but am i good enough to go on tour is that mm -hmm. you know am i ready to go on tour um building everything up and kind of taking that step for you mentally where does that i'm trying to think of how i want to ask this question how much of an impact does this have in the longevity of you as an artist is this a one of those steps where it's like i have to do this to know if this is the right path for me yeah, well, originally I was like, I wasn't against going on tour, but I was, I was scared. I was, I was nervous. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm, if I can do this, but he, but sad eyes, uh, kind of nudged me into it. He's like really motivated me and kind of made me think I could do it. So, um, and he made me see like, uh, also, also a, a big thing was getting messages from fans, just being like super stoked to see me and, and then back of him like if, if anything it's just it's just for them you know it's just right. people who've been wanting to watch watch me live uh for a while now can finally have a chance to do that and so uh, i think this will this tour will definitely be like the introduction into touring more i think that might be kind of the direction that i will go as an artist is like all right i'm gonna start touring i'm gonna start playing live yeah and i mean i think you know, it, it obviously varies and there's going to be bad shows just because that's life, right? Like, of course, there's yeah, going absolutely. to be something that you're not happy with, especially as the artist, it's easy to say, well, that didn't quite go the way that I wanted it to or whatever. But I think there's an important part that you mentioned that unfortunately some artists forget about, and that's the fans, right? Like mm -hmm. there are people that just want to see me come play these songs. So mm -hmm. like, even if I hate the set that I did, as long as they're happy and they come up to me, yeah. you know, like I'm good, we're fine. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because of course my music is very personal, and I've always done this, you know, for me and kind of like an outlet for me, and uh, just because I wanted to. But now there are people who who like to listen to my music, and it's like, well, now I gotta do it for them. Yeah, just uh, yeah, yeah. And what was that like? You know, putting out your art that, like you said, is is for you, right? I talked to a lot of artists about this, like music or art in general, whether it's a painting or whatever, like it's your own thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you put it out in the world and it's like this really scary thing. Like I yeah. just took this chapter of my life and put it out there for everyone to see. What's it been like to do that with some of your maybe more personal songs and then to see the reactions of people going, bro, this really fucking helps. Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's very, it's very surreal, uh, because that wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really think too much about it when, when I put the song that I wasn't like, oh, I hope to, I hope a lot of people get impacted by this, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking about that, and when I get messages saying, like, my music, like, really helped someone, or helped them get through a breakup, or even helped them with, like, you know, depression, or, uh, and anyway, like that, it's so surreal because like, I am not any, like I, in my head, I'm, I've been nobody, but myself, you know? Right. So I, right. I can't see myself as like this, this like a, I don't know. I don't know how to say, it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very surreal and uh, I'm so grateful and yeah, I hope to, hope to keep, keep doing that. You know, people can be uh, impacted by my music. Well, and I think, you know, obviously I'm looking at the the Spotify streams now, um, you know, there's obviously stuff people are connecting with, right? You've got, mm-hmm. like you said, the song with, with Brayden uh, is at 1.29 million streams, you know, and yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it, insane, right? And then you've mm-hmm. got, uh, looks like your, your top currently is my feelings are hiding at 1.4 million. And it's like, mm-hmm. sure. It's not necessarily 1.4 million different people that have heard that song. It's, you know, a lot of people playing it on repeat, mm-hmm. but even, even when you really break that down to 1%, that's 1400 fucking people that have connected with your yeah. song enough to listen to yeah, it which is a hundred times. Infallible. Infallible. I think yeah. I said that right. I think that's number right. to, uh, to, 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 to think about, you know, when you think about that many people like standing in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly where I was going with all this is like, you know, the streams don't always equate to the crowd, but even if it's a percentage of the streams mm-hmm. to get up in front of 50, a hundred, 200 people and go, Oh shit. Like these people are here for me. Mm-hmm. obviously they're there for sad eyes too but like these people yeah, came yeah. to see us like this is a fucking thing mm-hmm. yeah it's very crazy it's very uh again i'm gonna say this word a lot but it's very surreal uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah for, for sure and you know i think another prime example of that is uh lilac has been out for three days and you're at sixteen thousand streams on it already you know which to some artists that's nothing right but to someone that's really breaking into the scene and and doing it in a genre that doesn't have the same following as obviously the mainstream top 40s mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. like 
1600 streams is still a fucking shitload of people over the course of three days listening to me going hey here's here's my heart you know this is where i'm at Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 super it's super awesome because uh that was that was the first song i did with like that kind of production you know I've, i've experimented with it in the past but uh i really went all in with this right. one and i was very excited to to release and i was very proud of that that song and uh i'm very glad people are liking it yeah and i i think it's one of those it's one of those songs that when when people listen to it at first listen right the first playthrough it's probably not going to to really connect fully because I think mm-hmm. it's one of those songs you do have to like pay attention to and intentionally mm-hmm. listen. Yeah, sure. um, but I think, you know, once, once it hooks them with the production, then the lyrics come in and it's like, Oh fuck. Like this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. You gotta get them with that first part. Half of the song. You gotta really grab them. <laughs> yeah. Get their yeah. attention. Um, for you from a songwriting standpoint with Lilac, you know, being kind of this, I don't want to say new direction because it, again, it's just one song and it's uh, just produced a little differently, but like mm-hmm. with this soundscape compared to some of the others, what w- went into that, like building the structure for you and kind of figuring out what direction you wanted the sounds to be compared to the lyrics? Yeah. Um, so Lilac started before it was even called Lilac, uh, I wrote that first part just on like an acoustic guitar. And I really liked that verse. I'm like, oh, I want to do something with this. And uh, so I, I tracked it out with like an electric guitar. And then I decided to take, oh, I can take this to like the bigger, you know, heavy, heavy stuff with all the drums and the guitars and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I put that first part in there, produced the whole song, and then I wrote the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I went through some trial and error and stuff. Well, and it sounds like partly because you do all the production yourself too. It's one of those, like you have to lay that foundation, right? It's, it's Lego blocks. I had to lay down the first layer and go, okay, there's something here. Now I can start building in. Let's fill this Mm -hmm. gap with these drums and let's do this over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, For you, when you, when you're building songs, how often, if at all, do you shoot them over to, you know, the friends in the scene or the industry and go, I'm fucking stuck, or is this good enough, you know? Hmm. So whenever I'm like uh, questioning like a song, I always send it to like my friends, like kind of my close friends, who uh, yeah. whether, whether they make music or not, but um yeah, there's a couple people I'll, I'll always send send to, and uh, yeah, I, I don't do that too often. I think I'm too like insecure. I don't know. <laughs> Which it's a normal thing, especially again when you're writing stuff that's personal, right? Like if you were just writing, I'm gonna say it cheesy top forty bullshit that's on the radio, yeah. like okay, I can send this to whoever because I don't give a fuck. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean as much. Um, like, if you wrote WAP, who fucking cares <laughs> who heard me say yeah. that, you know? Um, but, you know, when it is something that it's, like, near and dear and 
is maybe a story from your life that they're not fully aware of, you know, even if they are close friends, um, it's got to be a little bit intimidating to put it out there, especially to them, maybe more so to them than when you're putting it out for the world. Yeah, especially because like, I don't think I'm a very like, like in my real life, I don't think I'm a very like, super like, just passively like an emotional, like deep person. Like I'm, I'm very goofy. Right. And, uh, uh, like uh, I don't know, chaotic. I guess I have a like, very chaotic energy, and so when I send my friends like these really deep, sad songs, uh, yeah, um, a lot of them don't really like say like, "Hey, this is weird. Like, why are you writing such sad stuff?" You know, they just kind of take it how it is, and you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's personal, but uh, that's always I've always written about personal things and. Uh, I'm not being so specific where it's like digging into like actual personal things, even, but right. Not calling out anybody's so, yeah. name in any of the songs. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think all my music is up for, yeah. <laughs> I think all my music is up for uh, interpretation. Yeah. And I think that's, again, one of the, the cool things with the way that you write is it's, if someone's paying attention to it, it is fairly clear, like the overall intent of the message and everything but it's still broad stroke enough to apply to other people, you know, and there's this, mm-hmm. um, Dave Grohl does a, a, had a quote, I'm going to paraphrase cause I'll fuck it up if I don't, but it was basically that he, one of his favorite things is that he can write a song that means specifically one thing to him. But then when he gets on stage and plays it, or it goes across the radio, it means a million different things to a million different people because everybody can grab what they need out of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how important is it for you from the artist side to try to do that? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, again, not writing it intentionally as that, but like, how, how important is it to be not so on the, you know, again, not fuck you, Rachel, this is what you did to me, like, whatever, leaving it open for people to, to say, okay, I, I needed this because of my dog passing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, no matter what I write, I think people will always be able to interpret it how they how they feel. You know, I've listened to some songs that talk about very specific things, but people can still relate to that, you know. Um, so I think no matter what I write, people are always going to interpret it however, however they need to uh in that moment and um so it's not necessarily like a super conscious thing where i'm like oh this is too specific or this is not specific enough you know like yeah 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 and i think that's that's an important thing for you as an artist too obviously like you don't want to you don't want to rework the the song so much because it's like oh fuck i got a little too real there and then mm-hmm. lose the meaning of the overall track either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so being DIY, being, you know, f- fully independent, really, and producing everything, um, what's it been like, you know, trying to figure out the next steps as far as music videos and when is it time to release an album instead of a single, things like that, which in today's world, I don't even know 
that albums matter as much but well um i love i really like making music videos i think editing is is tough sometimes and you know the process of doing it is tough sometimes but i really like it i think i think it's a very important part uh makes it feel like a more of a package you know so uh i like having the whole thing and um um, I feel like when I just subconsciously, whenever I make a song, I have some sort of visual in my brain that I that I wanted. Like for instance, for Lilac, um, in the music video, that first shot mm-hmm. of the music video, that shot has been in my head since before I even like wrote the lyrics to the, to the song. But you know, so I always have some sort of idea of how I want it to feel and look. Uh, yeah, how I want to feel and look, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I grew up in, and it sounds like you were probably on the tail end of when it was really, really popular. But, you know, I grew up in the same same format of we had VH1 and MTV actually playing music videos at the time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, YouTube came along and all of that. And it was so important and so cool to see the the visualization to a song um i think that's gotten lost over the the years because people just either don't want to spend the money on it or they don't think people consume youtube the same way or whatever uh which is i think you can attest to is absolute bullshit youtube consumption is insane uh yeah but i think i think it is a, a cool element because even if it's a single like if it's a single and it's just the audio track it's like okay Maybe it made it on a playlist. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of there. But when there's a visual to go with it, music video, whatever, it's like, oh, dude, have you seen this music video? Like, that really helps finish telling the story that maybe they weren't getting out of the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, yeah, like you're saying, I think uh, music videos still play an important part. Um, even if they're not as popular as they used to be or as vital as they used to be. Uh, yeah, it just tells it, it tells a different side of the, of the story. You know? And I like I like all of the I like having pictures. I like having the canvas on my Spotify. I like having the lyrics. I just like having the whole package because it just makes it feel feel nice. Feel like yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, even that side of it, the having the canvas and the lyrics and stuff on Spotify or any of the audio streaming services, I only use Spotify, but whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it does add something else. Cause it's like, okay, it could just be the cover photo sitting there, but this mm-hmm. artist took the time to have all this extra stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think, I don't think casual fans or casual listeners understand what goes into that. Right. Like mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. I think a, a large portion of people probably assume oh spotify does that and it's like no 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 oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's talk a little bit about that i guess because i know some of it obviously but when you're building out and you know distributing via distrokid or whatever you're using talk a little bit about putting together that package with okay here are the lyrics that i need to go with it this is the, Mm -hmm. the canvas with it yeah well um I don't think I've talked publicly about this yet, but I, I just recently signed. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I released this 
and last my sing I released lilac through through a label and uh working with them has been super super awesome to get kind of you know behind the technical side of things of like promotion stuff mm -hmm. and um as far as spotify like getting all that stuff together goes it's like you got to get the the canvas and i had to upload that and before i went through label i i used DistroKid and the, you submit the lyrics and uh, they submit it to all the streaming services but uh yeah all that stuff all the images at the bottom of my spotify the description um all that stuff is me some some stuff pops up there automatically like the tour stuff like i didn't do that that just yeah that just showed up there uh which is kind of cool uh because it's like who did that but it's it's there you know so yeah i don't um i don't know who they partner with i think i think they partner with bands in town on that so it'll pre-populate oh, really? from that. that's cool that's so cool. yeah i use bands in town <laughs> yeah so and that that's I think where that comes from, but I think it's cool that you know again for the casual person that maybe doesn't understand all of that, like it, I think it shows an extra level to the art, like what you're saying, but also an extra level to the passion around it or the love that you mm -hmm. have of it because like it's real easy to just put the song out, you yeah. know, like it's super yeah. simple to get that out there. But mm -hmm. to have everything to go with it, it does show like this means something to me. I want, yeah, you know, I want it to mean yeah. something to you. So um, let's touch on, you know, we kind of touched on it already, but let's let's go through some of these tour dates. And, you know, for people that are listening to this, hopefully, and uh, going to be in any of these areas, you guys are kicking off on August the 10th and running through the 24th. Um, and again, mostly in the East Coast and South Run. Um, where are, I mean, obviously, since this is going to be your first real tour, probably most of the, the places, but are there any places uh, on the list that are like, holy shit, I get to be here and, and do this? Yeah, I went to New York a couple of years ago and loved it. And so I'm, su I'm super, super stoked to, to go to New York again. Yeah um but a lot of these places i've never been to like you said nashville is like pretty in pretty insane so i'm, I'm excited for for nashville uh, i'm excited for the last date because the last date is uh when people usually like go the hardest i guess right but uh yeah I, if i'm being honest i'm not sure what to expect from like all these places i've never been to before yeah which is totally fair i mean you know it's it's something where trying to figure out like what the um what the vibe is going to be but also like almost what their expectation of you is going to be right like mm -hmm. okay cool i'm i'm here it's a it's my first tour but like do they expect everything to be completely clean and polished do they want a lot of stage banter do they just want me to play the songs mm -hmm. like what What's that feel like? So I think it'll be an interesting experience for you. And I think, you know, looking over uh, some of the Spotify numbers for you as well, I just now pulled it up to see like the analytics, they show the five cities on our side that are like your biggest streams. What's it like, you know, I'm looking at it now, having LA, Minneapolis, and then you have two separate Australia areas that are fucking blowing you up. Like, to know that your music is reaching that far away from you, what's that kind of feel like? It's, it's again, I'm going to bring this word up again, <laughs> but it's surreal. It's very, it's really crazy when uh, 
like when I, when like uh, at the end of the year when I get my Spotify wrapped for artists, mm-hmm. and then I see like your music was played in like this many countries, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, ha- like how is it even possible? You know, and you see how many people all across the world are listening listening to my music, and like that's so, that's so crazy to me because I can't I can't even really understand i can't really fathom it it's, it's it's really it's really crazy i'll get messages being like love from uh love from japan you know love yeah. from austria I'm like, what the crap <laughs> yeah yeah well and like uh it looks like your third one is fucking indonesia like mm-hmm. yeah what <laughs> yeah. how's this a thing so yeah. no it, i'm i'm similar like with the the podcast i get the month or the year-end rap and whatnot and this last year really blew my mind because I, I was the same way. It was like, you were played in X number of countries. And I'm like, I honestly, I, again, I'm 38. I forgot that there were that many goddamn countries in the first <laughs> yeah. place. Like, yeah. what's happening? That, that too, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot there's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of as we, we move towards the end of the episode here, um, something that I've, I've, refuse to do is sit down and think of better fucking closing questions so i bought this game <laughs> called hot takes and oh, okay. it's, it's kind of like cards against humanity or whatever it's just shitty oh, takes uh, and <laughs> you can either agree or disagree uh we can expand on them and whatever um but yeah i'm just going to pick a couple of them and we'll uh we'll go from there on it um right, so first one is french fries are the best form that a potato can take they're up there dude i love for i love french fries so much but man just straight up like potatoes like we i went camping recently and we uh, cooked vegetables and potatoes like in tinfoil over the fire yeah and it was so good like it was so good but i'd say the most popular i'd say it's the most popular consumption of potatoes yeah the best, i would agree with that like i'm not i'm not gonna dethrone a baked potato like you can't yeah. do it i'm gonna say second best to a baked potato I, I think I would agree with that. And I think honestly, like, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, the potato is probably one of the most versatile vegetables that exist, yeah. right? Like, yeah. there's so many things you can do with a fucking potato. Yeah, when I go grocery shopping, uh, there's like a section that has like hash browns, tater tots, french fries, and like all that stuff. And we just call it like, oh, what what shape of potato do you want today? It's just, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that that is one of those things that like you can't go wrong with a potato, right? Whether it's a baked potato, a French fry, a fucking mashed potato chip, mashed potatoes. Like I will find a way to incorporate potato into this meal. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, The next one I've got for you is the crust is the best part of a pizza. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Well, that's there's no toppings so, on it. There's no sauce. No, there's no not. cheese. Like what? It's a fuck? little. It's a little treat at the end when you're done with the pizza. Or so people throw away the crust. That's just not even. That's not even a thing. That's just wrong. The yeah. pizza is the best part of the pizza. So, a spinoff question. I know there's a card for it somewhere, but uh, then I'm going to ask this: Do you prefer slices or the square cut pizza? Oh man, dude, I love me square cut pizza. Um, I think, I think I'd think 
think like a New York slice is like my favorite kind of pizza, but there's this place uh, I used to go to all the time called Zigzag Pizza, which is like my one of my favorite pizza places, and they do square square cut. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like a square. I like a square cut. I I think I do too. Simply for the fact that I don't have to worry about the crust at the end. It's just there's toppings edge. Oh to yeah, edge. that's Fuck, true. Yeah, yeah you, you can you can get a crustless slice. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's dope. Uh, <laughs> this one, I think, based on some of your your music that you've put out, is kind of a no brainer. But uh, everyone should go to therapy at some point in their lives. I think I think that I think therapy is very helpful. Uh, I think that's very. Uh, yes that is a, uh i'm gonna say yes to that one people should always even if it's just for like one session or like a couple of sessions you don't have to do it forever but i've been to therapy and uh yeah it helps yeah i i you don't have to be going through something no and i think that's the misconception on it is people think that they have to be mm-hmm. stereotypically depressed or whatever mm-hmm. in order to need therapy and it's like no like mm-hmm. You could be one of the quote unquote happiest people around and sitting and just talking to somebody third party yeah. that has no idea about your life, it can help quite a bit. You yeah. Know? A lot of people, I mean, like it's a place where you're sitting with someone who's unbiased, where you can be vulnerable. And uh, a lot of can't, you can't do that a lot, a lot of places. You know, a lot of yeah. people feel like they can't be vulnerable and they hold on to a lot of things. And, Go to therapy, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last one that I'm going to use kind of ties back into our our potato thing. Ketchup is better than any other condiment. No, it's I I I had chicken nuggets this morning with ketchup, but just because that's what I have, right? Um, but that's that's just wrong. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like ketchup is, I think ketchup is probably the most basic of condiment. But it's not the best condiment. Yeah, because some people don't even like ketchup, and I feel like that's that's okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like you said, like sure, I've had chicken nuggets with ketchup. I would prefer not to. I definitely would yeah. prefer barbecue sweet, sauce or something sweet else. Sour. Sweet and sour. Sweet yeah. and sour. I'd just be using that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, obviously, I'll link all the socials and everything, man. But let's do the Absolutely. kind of standard outro. What What's the best way for people to interact with you? What do you want to plug other than the tour? Uh, what's the rest of 2023 look like for you? The whole nine yards. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to release two more singles this year. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I feel like I'm the most active on TikTok and Instagram. And my ads are just days to waste on yeah. those platforms. Uh, DM me on Instagram. Uh I feel like I'm checking those the most and uh, yeah, I'll be around. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'll make sure that I post about all the the tour dates and everything. This episode will actually go live uh, next Wednesday. So the day before tour kicks off. So, um, you know, if you're in one of the states or cities, let's not even say cities because fuck the people that are like, you didn't come close enough to my city to to come (laughs) out. Like, if you're within a couple hours of one of the, the stops, like fucking go yeah. to the show. It's worth yeah, it. Yeah, come to the show. So if you listen to this before the first date, come to the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll stay in touch for sure. I'll hit up Nate and see about um, showing up on the, the 22nd in Indianapolis okay. with you guys and 
Uh, the Irvington Theater is is a pretty dope little theater, so I think you guys will have fun there. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Hope to see you there. Yeah, awesome, man. I appreciate your time, and we'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Later. Peace out. And that was my conversation with Ben, a.k.a. Days to Waste. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. Um, really do want you guys to go check him out, support him. As always, we'll have all the socials and everything linked in the description of this podcast. Um, and yeah, just go do all the free shit. Like, share, subscribe, check out his music. Um, I think that there's something there for pretty much anyone. Um, anybody that needs something just to kind of chill out and have playing and you know, be calm and, and just have, you know, kind of a, a background noise, but not like, not just ambience. So it's a really cool vibe that he's got going on. I'm really excited for him and this project and, um, want you guys to go support him. So, uh, as we talked about there in the end of the episode as well, be sure that you go check him out on tour. Uh, if he's coming within, you know, two hours, of your your preferred area or whatever where you live um get out and check out the show it's uh it's really important to not just him but artists in general um you know oftentimes they're driving four or five hours per night to get to the next city sometimes longer than that uh and the overwhelming majority of artists uh, are not doing it with paid drivers and all that you know fancy shit big buses and and whatever it's a lot of work on their side too so get out and give them some support um and yeah just do anything you can to support live music uh and live you know shows get out and and buy tickets buy merch all that fun shit. So that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Again, really hope you enjoyed it and definitely have a lot of cool stuff coming very, very soon. So stay tuned. Be sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow the podcast, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I promise I'm going to try to get better at YouTube again and maybe even some TikTok. We'll see. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for all the support. Remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.